Viva Los Angelitos! Welcome to today's episode of Halos in the Infield. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media, and heck, while you're at it, give us a five-star review wherever you found this podcast as well. Have a great rest of your day, and enjoy today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield podcast with your host, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show. The Memphis Halo. Oh, <laughs> with a Bucky sweater. I love that Bucky's logo. Yeah, you still haven't gone, man. I, I can't, that, That's like, so Todd and I obviously talk off air often. I mean, and that's the one thing he always says. He's like, I've never made it out to Bucky's, but you best believe when I come to Texas. Oh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's gonna it's gonna be on. That's gonna be on my bucket list to scratch off right when I get to Texas. So there you, you go. You mean it's gonna be on your bucky list? Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our dad jokes. Exactly. <laughs> dad well, jokes, dad laughs. <laughs> let's get into the meat and potatoes, shall we? Because we got a lot to talk about in a short amount of time. What's the first topic on the board, my man? Uh, so let's go ahead and let's first talk a little bit about the World Series, you know, and just kind of talk about that so at the time that we're recording this uh what is it game five is taking place right now um it's still currently a zero zero game full discretion as we're recording i think uh, i mean i have it on the background here the diamondbacks have bases loaded with two outs and anthony evaldi uh uh, so nathan evaldi we've talked about it all year talk about like the hidden gem for the rangers right i mean nobody thought he was going to be one of the most dominant pitchers in all the baseball you got to give him his flowers. <clears throat> yeah, correct. When uh, Boston first signed him uh, the first year or two of that contract, it was not good. And he started to pitch good at the end of his his contract with them after leaving. Uh, which team did he win the World Series with? Was it the uh, – or you, I think – I forget what he which team he was with prior, but – I didn't know he was a World Series champion. We'll yeah, I think, you're talking. yeah or, he was, or he was with Boston originally. And then, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, then he went away from Boston. Anyway, long story short, I think what they did is they did a good job with with uh, recouping his his career. I mean, the guy had a really solid season in the first uh, three months of the season. He had, won with the Red Sox for the record in 2018. There you go. Okay, so he got a contract off of that because I know he was one of the studs against the Dodgers in that World Series. But he pitched his butt off this year. Uh, was was you know turned the clock back to 2018. And uh, again, we, we talked about the other day. I mean, uh, they just hit on all their freaking free agents, it seems, except DeGrom. Yeah, and I mean, DeGrom was kind of a gamble, and I think they knew that going in, right? I mean, nobody can argue. When DeGrom is healthy, he's the best pitcher in baseball. And if you don't agree with that, you're a fool. The guy has consistently proven that when he is healthy, he's he's one of the best we've ever seen in our lifetime. Problem has always been that for him health has always been his biggest concern and you know that's one guy that's for sure a shame because he would have had an amazing career oh absolutely absolutely and and you could say the same about a pitcher we had last year here uh his his running mate there in new york they had a staff set up to where you thought they'd have three or four aces for like the next 10 years yeah i mean with i mean new york has consistently tried to spend money on pitching with the Grom, they had Noah Syndergaard, who, who's you know I'm assuming who you're alluding to. Yep. 
Yeah. They had Matt Harvey when he was uh, when he was partying, when he was the Dark Knight. Yeah, when he had a uh, nosebleed, you know. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I mean, that was that was the the best version of Matt Harvey there was. I mean, that version of Matt Harvey is one of the best pitchers in baseball. Correct. There's, you know, and who else have they had? I mean, obviously this year they had Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, neither of which ended up staying with the Mets. Go figure. Yeah, and either well, both of them played prominent roles in the postseason. Which, yeah. you know, since we're talking about the postseason and Texas potentially winning a World Series by the time this podcast is over, or, you know, or or when it's uh, set for tomorrow, um, what a wild, wacky postseason, bro. I mean, you have teams that we thought were studs from the beginning, like Tampa Bay, 13-0 to start the season. One of the best teams. They get surpassed by Baltimore. Atlanta wins yeah. a bunch of games. Dodgers win a bunch of games. None of those teams finished. It was wild cards again. But that's the beauty of baseball. And that's what we love about baseball. You never know. You know, it's about the team who's the hottest at any particular time. You know, with with the NFL, you tend to have these dynasty situations often, right? You know, you had the Patriots. You currently have the Chiefs. And there's a lot of teams that, even though they're not winning consistent championships, they're consistently making it to the playoffs, right? You know, the Broncos had their run. The Seahawks certainly had a five or six year stretch where they had one of the best defenses and that propelled them to multiple deep playoff runs. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, the beauty in baseball is you had two teams that two years ago lost over a hundred games, you know, two teams that were in our minds years away, still maybe a year or two away from just sniffing the playoffs or maybe being continuous playoff uh, teams. But obviously they're both ahead of schedule. The Diamondbacks didn't have to dig very deep into that farm system at the trade deadline to bolster their road, uh, their, um, their uh, team. Mm-hmm. You know, they got, uh, God, who was the guy who was a closer for the Mariners and went over the, the Diamondbacks Seawald or whatever? Paul Seawald, yeah, maybe? Yeah, Paul Seawald, yeah. Yeah, so the Diamondbacks didn't have to give up too much to get him. And that was at the time where we thought the Mariners were having a fire sale. And look what happened. The Mariners ended up contending to make it to the playoffs, too. They didn't, but they made it interesting, you know? Uh, they got Tommy Pham from the Mets. That was part of their fire sale. And look, both of those pieces have helped the Diamondbacks get to where they are today. And even if they lose this World Series, this was a very impressive run for the Diamondbacks. And you got to tip your cap. Great organization. Did it the right way. Uh, and they're years ahead of a rebuild. And they're going to be good for years to come. And you can say the exact same thing with Texas. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they've put their money where their mouth is as far as Texas is concerned, and they've also built on the draft picks that they've accumulated. Arizona went all in. Um, but just their the way that they hit, it's fundamentally sound. Both these two teams can do the small ball thing. They can't hit as hard as Texas, but they can do some things. Corbin Carroll's just the phenom. And, you know, again, like you said, the pitching's been up to par. The bullpen's been great. Um it's just my question to you is it seems like since teams like the angels and, and others won in the early two thousands, the league hated the fact that you had teams destroy their divisions just to get bounced in the first and second round. And ever since the expansion of more playoff teams and, you know, it just seems like they try to kill the wildcard team as fast as possible. And this year with a new format, I thought they were going to succeed and lo and behold, the wild cards killed the big boys. Yeah, we've seen that an awful lot lately in baseball, right? I mean, you know, 
think about it. All those Giants teams at once when, you know, Bruce Bochy was in charge right. of those teams. Yep. Wild card, all three of them, right? Yep. They didn't win a single division. It was, you know, it was the Dodgers. I think one of those years was somebody else, right? Yeah, I think one of the years was either San Diego or Arizona. It wasn't San Diego, that's for sure. Well, uh, it it might have be been Arizona. either Arizona. Yeah, and Colorado was still pretty decent back then, too. But they weren't that good. <laughs> they yeah, had like yeah, a one or two year stretch that I know. Right. What year did didn't the Rockies make a World Series? Was oh, that like two thousand seven? Oh three. Oh three. Yeah. No, oh three was the Marlins. You sure? Or Very was... sure. Okay, then it was oh four because I know it was when Boston... no, that was the the Red Sox. Boston beat the uh, beat the uh, Rockies Cardinals, but they beat the Rockies too. Now we're in a standoff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll keep it going. But but anyway, I'm just my It was 07 for the record. Oh, okay, 07. Well, I knew they beat the Rockies. But the thing the thing is when when I, it just seems like Manfred and others are trying to diminish the wild card and try to discourage teams from winning the wild card. But it backfired this year big time and it's backfired like you said in recent times too. Um oh, you yeah. So, and, and now like, even with you and, and when the season started this year, you were like, look, let's just get to the tournament. We'll see what happens. Cause, yep. cause you're right. Anything can happen, dude. And it's starting to get that feel of a uh, March madness, you know, like, like every, just get to the tournament and see what happens. And, yeah. Who's the Cinderella story this year kind of thing. Correct. Correct. And we have a Cinderella story in Arizona. And if Arizona wasn't there, the Cinderella would be Texas. I mean, technically, I feel like both teams, in a way, are Cinderella teams. I mean, let, let's think about this. There wasn't a lot of uh, people predicting that Texas would even make it out of the first round, you know, or I guess make it to the first round. Technically, a lot of people didn't even think they were going to win the wild card. Yeah, and I, no, I, I don't know who those people were, but they sure are stupid. Well, I'll say this, yeah, right? <laughs> I'll say this. I was the only one on the page that thought they would make it out of the first round. Okay. I thought they were going to get bounced by uh, by Houston immediately, and that didn't happen. Um, I, I, we were all wrong, uh, you know. Well, yeah. Uh, I, somebody I, messaged I, us. I don't know if he wants a shout out. I mean, Martin, I'll give him one. Uh, that uh, Todd, what were you more wrong about this year? You know, between Suarez and uh, and the Rangers. But I mean, and to your credit, everybody was wrong about the Rangers. Every single person. I mean, and now we're in a situation where I mean they're most likely winning a world series here you know don't get me wrong i'm not gonna be like a mad dog russo and be like all right listen i'm like if the diamondbacks win i'm gonna retire on the spot okay i'm gonna retire and he didn't retire <laughs> no but yeah i'm not gonna retire if the rangers don't win but uh them being up three games to one this being a bruce bochula team them having home field advantage after this game if the diamondbacks happen to lose it's very likely that the Rangers are going to win, but I mean, Hey, I'm hoping the diamondbacks can pull it off. I mean, they're, they're, they're both fun teams to watch. And that's the thing, man. I'm so tired of having to say that, that teams that aren't the angels are fun to watch, but it's true. They're just, these are two fun young teams do things the right way. They play small ball and they can also hit homers. They they're both complete packages. 
Yeah, it's just it's such a shame because, I mean, obviously Angels baseball hasn't been 100% fun the entire time that we've both been fans, but it's when your measuring stick is someone else in your division, at least two or three teams in your division, that you can watch on a nightly basis and just be like, man, I wish our team was like that. It gets pretty depressing, especially when your team doesn't change. A lot of teams over the course of the season said, okay, this isn't working, let's change it up. Okay, these guys aren't working, let's get rid of them. Let's add guys to help. You know, it's it just seems like, you know, and the Angels did, for their credit, make a few moves, but it just seems like every move was a disaster. And, yeah, our team wasn't fun to watch. And, and yes, you're right. When you watch these teams bunt, single, go the other way, make the terrific play in the outfield, do the fundamentals, stealing bases, that's fun baseball, like you said. And you look over at our boys, it's like, no wonder why a lot of times people leave in the seventh inning. No wonder why a lot of times people want to sell their tickets and so on and so on. Yeah, and I know we have to change the topic here soon. So, I mean, basically, I'll leave it at this. It's just really frustrating when other organizations are continuously making the right moves. They make the right trades. They go after the right free agents. Look at the Rangers. You and I were talking off air. I mean, today when we were both working about the fact that almost all of these Rangers hit, right? I don't mean like physically hit. I mean... Almost every person they went after has come and made a positive impact on the organization and the team. Same thing with the Diamondback. Tommy Pham, uh, uh, Seawall to a big extent. Both came, made positive impacts to get their team to the postseason. I know uh, Seawall's been a little iffy in the postseason, if, if I've been correct. I haven't watched too many of the Diamondbacks games, but from what I've heard. So with that being said... How come all these other teams, all these other organizations continue to, to do what you said, go after these key pieces, and every time we get anybody, they don't pan out? It doesn't matter if we're talking about David DeHazen from 2015, Brandon Phillips in 2017, you know, Matt Harvey, Trevor Cahill, sure, you know, those guys were to be expected. But you get what I'm saying. How do we continuously whiff and whiff and whiff and actually – that's what Hacksaw said. I know we're going to get to that shortly, but that's kind of my little bow on this topic. I agree. It, it, it's just, it just comes down to uh, what we're going to talk about next, I guess, if unless we're moving on to another topic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit one last time about the, this World Series once it's officially over. Yeah, exactly. But. All right, so moving on to the next topic, dude, what you got? So you did an interview with uh, the legend – Mr. Uh, Hacksaw, the Hacksaw, mm -hmm. and uh, a very familiar voice to those around Southern California. I mean, this guy's been talking sports since, uh, you know, most of you have been alive or a lot longer, depending who you are. Uh, I mean, he's been on the air for how many years? I mean, seriously. Like, he was he was almost 30 years before, uh, I think it was 2000, I want to say 16, when they shut down the radio stations down there. They went corporate. So so he's been Oh, yeah, yeah. They shut down Mighty 1090. When, yeah. Because he, he used to do the a lot of the morning shows for Mighty 1090 in San Diego because I talked to my dad about it. Uh, I was like, oh, hey, you know, my co-host Todd did an interview with, uh, with the Hacks on. He's like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah, it felt weird, you know. Yeah, because the high school voice for me. He's one of the originators of sports talk on the West Coast. So he's Absolutely. known all up and down the West Coast. So uh, he, he did some work for the Seahawks, my team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, he's a legend and he broke it down pretty good. You know, he talked about like what you were saying, 
you know, the inconsistencies and, uh, you know, deficiencies of this franchise. And he, his thing was, Hey, let's get some baseball minds in here. Let's get some hall of famers. Let's get some guys who know and can, can critique and, and hire them on as consultants and agents to help this team turn around. Because obviously, like you said, those other teams you described that make the right moves, assign the right free agents, they have a culture in place. They have a way of doing things. They have a certain type of player they want. So they just don't look at what they did on the field. They look at the person behind the the jersey and 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 uh, helmet. You know, they they want to know what makes that guy tick. And I think those are the franchises, like Lee said, that actually have that success, not the ones that just say willy nilly next on the board. The tough thing for the Angels, and they're they're in a very tough position because I agree that front office people and baseball people should 100% have experience with baseball and in baseball. 100% agree with that. But mm. he had said that the Angels need an experienced manager to come in and you know institute the culture. There isn't a lot of available managers out there who are experienced who I would feel comfortable leading this team long-term. You know, I don't want a potential stopgap guy for the next two or three years, especially because we might not be competitive in the next two or three years. It's really going to depend on what happens this offseason, but there's a very good chance we won't be. So with that being said, do we need a guy like a Ron Washington or a Buck Showalter to come in here? Both very experienced managers. Both have had some deep playoff runs. You know, Ron Washington with the uh, with the Rangers, actually, when they made it to the World Series back-to-back years. They didn't win, but they made it. You know, as of right now, we'd kill for a World Series run. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Buck Showalter, I think he was also a manager for the Rangers a little for a little while. I think he was manager of the year for the Rangers. I, for the Rangers, sorry. He also had some good playoff runs with the Orioles. He was a Yankee skipper, too. Uh, yep. he's, been, he's been around. Uh, just the problem with Buck is, is he has a shelf life. I mean, he rarely goes longer than three years before he starts ruffling feathers and things hit the fan. So it's like that's what worries me about him. And again, he would have been a guy like you said, if he, if the Rangers or the Angels were ready, like the Rangers on the cusp or or getting to where they're supposed to be with all kinds of good help on the way, I would say yeah, that would be the dude to get. And I know Lee was harping on him as far as a guy he would he would put in place, but I just think dis- discipline needs to be encouraged on this team, accountability, all that. And I do agree, throwing it to a rookie is not going to do good either, but. But what has to happen, no matter who they put in place, is someone that's actually going to be able to run the team his way with his staff. And no matter how much analytics, like Lee said, they throw down, you got to be able to give that manager the last say on it. Yeah, and, and the biggest thing for the Angels is going to be whoever they go with. They need to roll with him, for better or worse. And the organization needs to come out and say that, whether it's Perry, John Carpino, Dennis Cool, Roger Lodge, Artie Wayne, I don't give a damn. Whoever it is needs to come out and publicly say, hey, this is our guy. For better or worse, we're staying with them for three years. Correct. And, and, and that's what they need to do. They need to let the manager have the reins and deal with it no matter what. Yeah, you're right. You got to let the guy sink or swim. And then the other yeah. question I was going to ask you, because sure. he brought it up about, you know, Artie Moreno, do you think that would work? him sitting down and opening it up and saying, Hey, you know what? My, uh, you know, set, tell his publicist, whoever wants to interview me, let's talk it out. I want to reestablish myself in the community. I want to reestablish myself as the owner of the angels. 
and come out of hiding because we can all agree with Hacksaw, and we've said it before too. Dude's been reclusive. He's staying away. He does not like the bad negativity. The only way you could change that is if you try to flip the script, right? Do you think he's going to do that? No, he won't do it, but he should if he wants to repair his public image. And like Hacksaw said, the media is not going anywhere. You know, and nowadays we live we live in a world where any Yahoo can get a podcast like us. And for whatever reason, not only do people listen, but sponsors pay. So, hey, whatever. It is what it is. You know, I'm not complaining. I appreciate the the avenue we have to talk Angels baseball. I appreciate the fact that people listen. And obviously we try to do what we can with our voice positive to make the community a better place. But with all that being said, the media is absolutely not going anywhere. It's only getting bigger and bigger as it gets more and more accessible to be a member of the uh, media. So with that being said, Artie needs to do exactly what Hacksaw said. Be public again. Say, here's what it is. We've had some bad years. Because here's the thing. I hated the fact that he went, quote, unquote, all in at the trade deadline, right? We got Lucas Giolito. We got Ronaldo Lopez. You know, we got CJ Crone. We got Randall Gritchick. Nobody can say that Artie didn't take his best swing at it. And for that, I will commend Artie Moreno for giving it a shot. All we ever wanted was for the team to have a sense of direction, and it didn't work out, but they had a sense of direction. So the last thing that you and I or any of the other fans who have been complaining for that can do is complain now. We got what we wanted, and for better or worse, we have to live through it. So with that being said, I got pissed off that he gave up when under the salary cap or the luxury tax essentially backed out of what he promised the fans and he didn't publicly comment on it. I could have lived with it if he would have commented and been like, Hey, here's what happened. You know, I want to go into the luxury tax. So we can focus on next year. Okay. There's valor in that. You stepped up to the plate. You were a man about it. You know, you're a man of your word. You said you were going to do this. You said you had unfinished business. <laughs> you took care of that unfinished business. Uh, and, and it just didn't work out. And that happens. I can live with that. Yeah, I, I can too. If if you were to if you were to say that and make it happen and, and come to the media and tell you, hey, I I want to make sure this season's gonna be good for next se- or the next season's gonna be good for for Angel fans. I know we tried, but it just didn't work. And my promise to you and everyone else is that we're gonna make this work for next season, and we're gonna uh, you know start from scratch next year. You know, something, anything. But uh, you know, when you back out, it was a weasel move. And I think all the fans saw it. And it's like you said earlier when we talked, it's um, it, it's going to deject future signings here. You know, other players from saying, hey, I don't want to go to Anaheim because what if I want to buy a, a nice expensive house in the OC and they cut me or they trade me? You know, it's, it's not going to work. Yeah, especially because stopgap guys has kind of been the trend here in Anaheim. So with that being said, who's going to want to sign a one-year contract knowing that they truly are dispensable? And, last and look thing- what happened to Hunter Renfro. Yeah, and last thing I'll say, too, is you could put a really good all-star lineup out there for Anaheim. It's not going to matter if you don't have the right coaches in place, if you don't have the right system, and if you're putting way too much analytics. All that is just a recipe for disaster. And and so if you're not all on the same page and you can't work all together, you're going to get what we got last year, which Absolutely. we did have a talented team, injuries aside, and they still couldn't do anything because they were being coached wrong and taught wrong and – things were called the wrong way. Yeah, and it's really hard to simply always blame injuries because every team deals with injuries. But the thing is, a lot of these teams 
have guys either in the minors or they trade for pieces to step up. And, you know, the Angels tried that, right? I mean, they had a giant hole at first base. They tried to get C.J. Crone, and C.J. Crone's had a healthy career. For whatever reason, he comes here and naturally gets injured. Um, so I know that this question's super open-ended because it's really going to depend on who the manager is. But, uh, you know, actually, before we get into that, um, let me ask you this. Tory Hunter is a name that's floated around a lot for a first-time manager, Okay. He's got zero management experience. You know, Darren Urso is another guy, but Darren Urso had coached in college or managed in college. So with that being said, Tory Hunter, how do you feel about Tory and your short answer? Can he be a decent manager if he truly is a candidate here in Anaheim? I wouldn't give him the manager's spot. I'd give him a bench coach because I do think his influence would just be phenomenal on this team. I mean, talk about the last true real leader this club had. And the reasons we got rid of him were absolutely stupid. But long story short, and the short, or shortest answer I could say is he would do phenomenal things as far as chemistry and culture for this team. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And he's a guy also who I think, you know, perhaps you give a guy like him a baseball executive role. I mean, hey, uh, you know, the Marlins former GM, uh, Kim, I forgot her last name. Um, she's available and she's looking for, you know, a high up position. That is a baseball woman who knows what she's doing. Right. Uh, that's, that's a phone call you should be making immediately. But once again, already has his friends, you know, Dennis cool, John Carpino, you know, we know they're very close with Artie. So it's always kind of been Artie in the squad, unfortunately, you know, so I don't think Artie's always in it for baseball he's in it for the money and hey i'll tip my cap off to him he's a great businessman clearly none of us can argue that guys made tons and tons and tons of money mm -hmm. but uh just not a good baseball guy and neither is dennis cool neither is john carpino but um so i i, I know that's gonna the manager is completely up in the air i think tory hunter could be a great baseball front office guy i think he could be a good baseball executive because he was been there and he's did that See, I would, I would have loved to have, you know, since we're losing coaches down in the AAA level too, last thing I'll say about it is uh, I would have loved for the Angels to have hired the Troy Percivals, the, you know, the Darren Erstads, the Tory Hunters, and Tim Sammons, and Chuck Finley even, who, who both of them obviously have aspirations to be coaches. Send them down and let them run the AAA farm system. Let them run the trash pandas, whatever. Let them get experience down there. And if they're making great moves down there and they're really showing their stuff – then bring them up. You know what I mean? In the meantime, hire your, I guess, if you want your Buck Show Walter to run, because obviously he ain't going to give you more than three years. That's all I'm saying. The problem is with the Angels is they don't promote from within often in terms of like the trip, the uh, the minor league levels up. Now, I know Matt Wise was a minor league guy. Uh, it hasn't happened lately where they've promoted a, a guy from down below to an upper level position i mean eric chavez was a guy who was i think the the salt lake bees manager and like you know um right after Sosha had left and he was a guy who i was very interested in at the uh, major league job and for whatever reason the angels didn't feel that he was worth the shot there uh i know he just interviewed with the padres uh phil nevin apparently has been a guy who i i believe is interviewed with the padres from what i've heard mm -hmm. and you know and he and he was a big player there for a couple of years. So that's kind of a hometown guy for them. So that might be, maybe that's a better fit for him down there. Who knows? We, maybe we it would, is. 
we would know exactly if the Padres were to start to win and they let they took the chains off of him and he was a hard nosed badass again. We would be like, oh, that we know exactly why he sucked up here in Anaheim. Yeah, exactly. Already. Yeah. So, um, and who's and obviously Benji Gill. That's another guy who, who's yeah. been thrown around. I mean, that's still kind of my guy uh, personally. Well, my, that's the guy who I'm cheering for. My question to you is a two parter, real quick. It's a real sure. quick answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got five teams who need a manager. In what order do you think the Angels make their managerial? Um, you know, move and number two, how long do you think it's going to take? So let's see. We got the Padres. We got the Angels. Mets, uh, who are the other three? The Mets. Mets yep. Cleveland and someone else. There's a fifth team. I just know. Oh, the Padres. I already said Padres. Oh, well, I know there's five teams because I saw the logos on Instagram. Are you, why are you sure it's not four now? Because the Giants got their guy. They got Bob Melvin. Okay, so then it's four now. Yeah, Giants. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean Bob Melvin for the Giants, probably an ideal situation, right? I mean, you That's gotta he he played time. exactly. Yeah. He played for the Giants, I believe. He yeah. obviously managed for what a roughly 10 years for um Oakland. Oakland went down to San Diego, made a deep playoff run, had a horrible year this year, and now he's back up there. So, you know, good for him. Probably the best candidate for them that was available at the moment i would imagine bob melvin was probably the biggest name available right mm-hmm. um and besides that yeah i mean it's it's, it's buck showalter i mean there was a the guy that uh hacksaw had brought up uh, from the cardinals mm-hmm. um yeah I know, I, I know we mentioned before like skip schumacher there's a few other guys that if he leaves the marlins yeah i don't think he's been fired or craig officially Cam- walked away yet craig council's also been another guy uh, that that's rumored because Milwaukee has all kinds of internal problems, so he that's might be true, a guy yeah. that could that could get his contract bought out and leave. But see, Craig Council's a guy who went up in the Brewers system, yep. made a career with them, yep, uh, and then he came back to manage. And I mean, I would say it's worked out for them, right? They have they've had some good teams. Sure, they haven't won any championships, but only one team wins a championship a year. Yeah, they've had a couple deep playoff runs, though. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, perhaps that's what we need. We need a, a guy who hasn't played too long ago, you know, is still understanding the heartbeat of current baseball, can use a healthy blend of analytics and using their gut. There really is a healthy balance that exists. We see it all around the league, and guys just continue to miss on it. But, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about the coaching staff once we find out who the manager is. But right now, there simply just isn't any answers until we find out who the manager is. But, you know, we've talked a little bit about the candidates and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And Hey, uh, the Rangers just took a one, nothing lead, which very well means that the season might end tonight, which means we'll get some answers pretty quick here on, you know, Shohei Otani. Uh, I mean, obviously he's going to be a free agent. I I have every ounce of confidence in the world that he's going to like free agency. Um, Is it possible the angels might resign him? Sure. But you know, you, if we were Otani, we'd hit the open market too. Who are you kidding? If Otani were to sign back with the Angels, I'll just put it to you this way: I'll do my first post game in just my boxing shorts. So, we'll, post game of the season, like opening day, opening day post game in just boxer shorts and maybe yeah. a clown face. So, okay, okay, but it has to be like one of those like funny boxer shorts, like <laughs> the ones that has like a little like elephant trunk. You don't have to like you don't have to be in the elephant trunk, but I mean like you you got to be you know you got to go all out. TMI for my first bachelor party. <laughs> they bought me one of those. It was oh. like a tuggy, and and then obviously when the trunk came up, uh, it it made sound. It made that. 
So. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, my my. Uh, oh, I don't know if I should share this. My girlfriend just got me like my uh, a pair of like not not elephant or the no zero noises, okay. but like one of those kind of uh, boxers. And uh, it was laundry day like a couple of weeks ago, and I put it on to work one day, and I was like, these are really comfortable. <laughs> oh, wear at work. Don't tell yeah. me when you, when you bent down, they saw the thong riding up or no? Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't, no, it wasn't a thong. They're a pair of boxers. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. yeah. They're a pair of boxers. Yeah. No. One time I remember bending over and I think I forgot what kind of shorts I had. It, it was like boxers with like something on it. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. It was, it, it was something like embarrassing on it. Yeah. Roger Lodges on the front. Like, Hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't have any bu- bu- Bucky's boxers, surprisingly. You think I would? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you would think you'd have something, you know, the Bucky's watch, wristband, whatever, you know, you have all decked out. Oh, I, I have Bucky's a bunch of stuff, but I don't have any bu- Bucky's boxers. Maybe I'll buy you those for Christmas. Hey, that might work. I'll, work. <laughs> I'll rock. <them. laughs> so, we have anything else here? We have a few more minutes. I don't think so, man. I mean, you know, like I, we already kind of established, there's not really much to talk about in terms of the coaching staff because so much is still yet to be answered about it. Well, I tell you um, what, for those listening right now, uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, the background for my boy here, the Lone Star Halo, has it looks like before a baseball game, not during a game, uh, you know, and, and there's not too many fans in the stands. That could be us next year, depending on what happens this off season, we could be rocking that kind of attendance in the background. I kind of hope so, man. I mean, because at least that means we have a sense of direction. This franchise and front office needs to be realistic. Mm-hmm. We've said it and we're probably going to say it all off season and all the fans probably agree with us. The Rangers aren't going anywhere. Seattle's not going anywhere. Houston's is not going anywhere. And Oakland's probably about, two years away, probably one year knowing Oakland, they come out of nowhere like a cockroach every time. So with that being said, we could be a year or two away from being the fifth place team consistently in this division because, you know, Texas is only going to get stronger. I, I I would say in the next two or three years, here's my hot take. I think Houston will start to suck again. I think we're going to start slowly seeing those days. Their guys are starting to age out. You know, they have guys like Pena come out of nowhere, but, you know, their pitching isn't as strong as it was before. They're starting to show cracks in the foundation now. Yeah, they're not as strong. And then, obviously, who they get as a manager is going to be very key going into this offseason, too. Uh, If they're not able to land someone that's going to balance those. Oh, that was the other team, right? I don't think we said Houston. Okay, so there's a fifth team. Yeah, I knew I saw five teams. I don't think we had said Houston. I mean, someone's yeah. going to correct. Someone's yelling like you idiot. That was the third team you said. <laughs> I forgot about that. Just because I just remembered that, you know, that Dusty Baker retired, but that is a great job to get. So my Absolutely. thing is, uh, I, I think that's top priority. I would, I would put the Padres job at two and then yeah. the angels at three. And then you got uh, Cleveland in the other one. So uh, yeah, that. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, it, we're, we're as Angel fans, we got to be patient again. And nine years is a lot of patience. It's tested a lot of fans. A lot of people are apathetic. A lot of people are pissed off. And uh, we're going to see, man. Again, this is another big off season for the Angels. I would make the argument that this is the biggest year uh, of the uh, of their franchise history. Because what's going to happen? You know what I mean? I mean, there is literally from. The, the top down, there's so many issues. Let's let's avoid talking about the front office for a second. You know, 
the manager, the stadium's literally starting to, you know, come into shambles. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, man, the stadium is not looking very good in some spots, you know, so where are you going to play in a couple of years? You know, are you going to completely remodel the big A, you know, and once you throw that on the side, what are you going to do with this organization? This organization isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Do you use a guy like Trout to be part of your manager hire? And honestly, I, I would say you probably bring him in. I mean, as of right now, he's probably going to be your top guy. If Otani does resign, you bring him in too. And you say, you, you know what? You guys hire the manager. Yeah. I think you let them make the decision. They know the kind of guy they want to play for. And maybe that helps motivate these guys a little bit more. Hell, maybe you even bring Rendon in. Not because he's earned that, but because maybe he'll be motivated to play. Seriously. I mean, at this point, you got to do something. Yeah, something's got to change. My only thing, last thing I'll say is Mike Trout's getting up there in age, obviously, you know, like he's not the young 20s, not your age anymore. And, you know, it's just going to get louder, you know, especially when Otani goes, a bigger spotlight's going to be on him as far as Trout's wasting his career in Anaheim. And if his numbers continue to diminish, we saw the best of him. It's just going to be sad stories from here on out. I know we've talked about the albatross of moving that contract and him having to say yes to to whatever movement this team would want to make. But man, it's just it's I feel that's going to hinder the team moving forward, especially if we're like you say, falling into that fifth place contender contender every year. And here's what I'll say to put a bow on today's episode. My thing, and the thing that pisses me off the most, is how most fans are like, well, you know, they're wasting Otani, they're wasting Trout, and we've heard that for years. How come uh, fans don't go after other teams? For instance, I don't see Aaron Judge winning anything in New York. Guy hasn't made the playoffs much in his career, at least not deep playoff runs. I mean, Nobody's talking about the Yankees winning the World Series anytime soon. So with that he said, do any, he doesn't do anything when he's there either. Well, exactly. Yeah, he's he hasn't shown up when he has been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So that being said, nobody goes after him. It's it's the media and who they want to attack. Like they they exactly they great... it fits their narrative to be anti West Coast. Yeah, if it, you know they if the Angels are winning, they're not talking about him. But the Angels are losing mired in last place. You got Stephen A. Smith mouthing off. So yeah, well, exactly. You get clicks for you know talking trash. About the angels, so well, good show, my man. Uh, absolutely, and and, uh, we got some uh exciting news that we're going to be debuting as we move along here, especially coming towards the winter meetings. We're going to be more active, and then uh, we got a couple events coming up, so and a new uh platform to talk about. But all that's saved for another show. But we just appreciate your time on Halos in the infield. And so, for Todd Fox, and oh, the last thing, real quick. My bad. I wanted to say uh, I wanted to say thank you to Courtney. I know she uh, she's you know she listens pretty periodically, so you know uh, she she I don't know if I can say. I mean, she left you know she left the page to go do some other things, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to go ahead and say uh, thank you for you know for for her time with us, and uh, you know we're looking forward to making some other future announcements about maybe getting some new voices on the podcast. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, on behalf of, since Todd already signed off, on behalf of me, the Lone Star Halo, thanks for so much for listening, guys.